Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Books in Arabic and has edited and supervised the publishing of many books and magazines. She's married to Johanna and has three boys who are aged 15, 13 and 12. So I'd like you just to welcome her now as she shares with us. Thank you, Dina. Hello. It's a pleasure to be today with you. Um, before I proceed into my presentation, I would... Can I take this? Okay, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to give you a background about who I am because it's pretty much shape my work and how we do ministry in my context. Okay, important background, who I am. As a person who comes from the Middle East, I embody the different stereotyping to which my people has been subjected. Every time I introduce myself, many contradictory images surface in the mind of the people. Do you know why? Because each label of my identity can be charged with a myth. Stereotyping could be a consequence of ignorance, wrong impression, propaganda. Let me elaborate more. <laughs> the first label of my identity, I am a Christian. And usually, there are two questions being asked. Did you convert? Are there Christians in the Middle East? Well, I had to, to say that Christianity was born in the Middle East, in my context, Holy Land. I'm from Israel. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He has been raised up in Galilee area, city of Nazareth, where I live. And he died, crucified, and resurrected in Jerusalem. So there are Christians in the Middle East, although they are minority, and through centuries of persecution, but they kept faithful. And we in the land, we have four family churches. The biggest are Orthodox and Catholic, and we have Oriental Orthodox churches, Anglican and Evangelical. They are altogether 130,000 people, less than 1.5%. And this is the audience that we are saving in Israel. The second label of my identity, I am a Palestinian. And people get confused. How come you are a Palestinian and Christian at the same time? Are not all Palestinians a group of terrorists? Are not Palestinian all Muslims? That's a myth. I am a Palestinian. I can assure you I'm not a terrorist. I have a heart full of God and would like to serve him. To be a Palestinian is not sin. It's my culture. The way I cook is different than a, a Jewish person or a person from the U.S. We eat hummus, falafel, tabbouleh. The way I celebrate my wedding, it's not in the synagogue, it's in the church. So it's my culture. The third label of my identity, I am an Arab. And in the mind of the Western, to be Arab is equal to be Muslim. And this is a myth. Not all Arabs are Muslims. Arab predate Islam. Do you know that in the Old Testament, there have been Arabs? 
Some theologians think that Job was an Arab. Proverbs 31st was written by an Arab woman. Do you know that John the Baptist was beheaded because he was a Jew defending an Arab woman who was the wife of Herodotus Antipas? Even if you read Act 2, when the Holy Spirit came down, one of the spoken languages was Arabic. So Arabic predated Islam. The fourth label of my identity, I am an Israeli. I hope I didn't confuse you, but I am all of that. <laughs> so it's a term that has been given to the Palestinians who stay in the land when Israel came in 48. Uh, many Palestinians have been dispelled, 70% of the population. My dad became a refugee. And the people who remained didn't escape, has been granted a citizenship. It's me, like that second generation, and become citizen of Israel. And the 60s in Galilee area, the people were under military law for a while, and then we have been granted a citizenship later. The sex commandments. Not all Arabs are Muslims. There are Christians like me. Not all Muslims are Arabs. There are Indonesian. Not all Arabs are Palestinian. There are Jordanian or Iraqis. They are not Palestinian. Not all Palestinians are Arabs. There are Armenians, like my mother-in-law. And not all Israelis are Jews. There are Arabs, Israeli. And not all Jews are Israelis. There are American Jews. Is it clear? <laughs> Another label, I am a woman serving in an androcentric society. Believe me, it's not easy for women in the Middle East. They are the most disadvantaged sector of the community because they are not only part of an ethno-political minority, but they are living in patriarchal society. Many institutions marginalize them. They face many challenges like domestic abuse, honor killing, if you have heard about this term, um, a, a polygamy at the Bedouin household. And what's make it worse, they don't have representative in political or making decision. So their needs are not resolved. Their challenges are not resolved in the community. As a result, when I look at the Bible, it advocates different worldview in which both men and women are respected and loved by God and appreciated. And women do not live out their calling and potential. When I look at our churches, I will find out that 70% who attend church are women. And I believe if their skills are not used properly, half of the church will be paralyzed. There is a calling for both men and women to serve the kingdom of God. So, living in this situation as my identity that is culturally Palestinian, but as Israeli citizen at the same time, we have a great opportunity to bring the word of God to uh, this culture uh, and build bridges of peace. Do you know why? Because we live, we speak two languages fluently, Hebrew and Arabic. English is my third language. And we can connect the culture, the Hebrew culture and the Arabic culture, and build bridges of peace. And there is great opportunity to be peacemaker in this context that is full of hatred and war and conflict. So, ask myself question as a leader of the Bible society as giving impossible task 
you know, living in a patriarchal society. How can I serve this context with all these challenges? What is the role of the church of empowering this marginalized sector? How can the word of God empower them? What does Christ has to say for the Arab Israeli woman? What does the Bible say? I'm not claiming I have all the answer, but God taught me that to do small things with a great love, that is what matter. To be faithful in what God has given into us, that is what matter. So we started very small. I started with monthly breakfast meeting. So we started to invite leaders to the community, to the Bible house, because I didn't expect that men and pastors come to the Bible house, especially if a woman leading. They used to call my husband, pastors, to ask for Bible. He was telling them, no, no, call her. She's the director. I'm not working there. So that was part of the challenges. So I realized that I need to win the hearts of the women, the leaders. The idea is not to threat anyone, but to work together in the kingdom of God. So we've done this monthly breakfast meeting, slowly, slowly, engage women together with breakfast, give them the opportunity to study the word of God, build network, and knowing what God is doing in the whole country, not only in their churches. And that was working very well. Slowly, slowly, God started to bless we started to do events for leaders, for big events during Christmas time. And then we decided to reach marginalized women with the word of God. So we said, we are living in a special place, biblical site. So we started to say, okay, we want to evangelize creatively and reach people who do not come to church, reach battered women, who are sexually abused. So we started to, we have connection with several organizations and we arranged trip for women to come. And we talk, we will talk about the biblical site. One of this women, after we have finished the trip, we had a chat together in the bus. And she showed me her hand here. And she said, do you see these marks? I said, yes. She said, I tried to commit suicide three times. And on first conversation, open up. And she come from a Muslim background. All these girls are Muslims. And uh, we started to talk about her situation. And God opened the door for me to share the gospel with her. To give hope. People need hope in their life. All of us are suffering all of us in some way all of us have our own challenges and pain in life and that was an opportunity to reach them another way we are also reaching families with conferences and workshops we do a lot through the year more than 40 workshops and five conferences to reach family with the word of god why because I believe that if we want revival in our churches, we need to invest in families, the unit of the family. Imagine with me that our churches have family who are suffering. What will happen? The pastor will be focused on helping the families inside the church, and they will not look outside to reach out to other people because they are suffering and their energy will be drained out. 
Imagine with me now, if we have healthy families inside the church, what will happen? Revival. Sometimes we pray for revival. Yes, that's good. But what we are doing about it? It has to accompany with prayers and doing and see how God leads. So this woman here with the black, she's, she, she, she is coming from a Muslim background. Uh, she is a widow, 46 years old, have two kids. She came to our conference, but her story is interesting. She, um, her parents didn't care about her education. They were indifferent about her education. And she didn't have a proper education. She went out to school. And then she had to work because they have a lot of children. And she needed to support the family. And her father were controlling her, her income. So she wasn't enjoying the fruit of her income. But after she, and she started to work in the, at age of 18 in a factory to help. But after she was married, as she was escaping, it happened that her husband was attending a church and he became a believer. After a while of building up their marriage and life, she decided to uh, give her life to Jesus. But she is now a widow. He passed away. But she is still committed to the Lord because she saw that God gave her hope and she is living a better life even though she lost her husband because Jesus gave her meaning to her life. And when she comes to our conferences, we give people tips how to live in a biblical way, how to raise their children. So she thanked the Bible Society for helping her to understand how to deal with her children, especially when she's alone. So um, parenting workshops, reaching people, both men and women. We want to impact our men as well in a society that is patriarchal. So we ask expertise to come and give us workshops who are a Christian and know the Lord. And they will help both men and women to interact in a biblical way and teach them how to build a healthy family God's way. Now, do you know what is that? A booklet. It's called I Am She. It's selection for scripture, totally selection of scripture. It has empty pages where a woman can write her devotion. devotion. Now, this booklet has been first done by the African Bible Society for the refugees there. I saw this product and I said, I want to contextualize it and use it in my context. That's the beauty about the, the global church. Yes, we share together ideas and see how it works and build the kingdom of God together. So I add a chapter on this. As I mentioned, Proverbs 31st was written by an Arab woman. I am an Arab and add it into this book. And it was a great opportunity for pastor to use it in uh, Christmas, for uh, uh, use it for Muslims because it doesn't look like a Bible selection of scriptures. And they have been enjoying it. But what really was interesting that God used it beyond my understanding that I never expect 
the Austrian Bible Society knew that we have translated it into Arabic, took our translation and done it, published it for the Iraqi refugees in Austria. God is at work. Sometimes you don't know what, how God will use resources to bless others. But we need to be faithful in what we have and what we do. Book fairs, bringing the word of God. Fam- this is magazine that we want to open the door for women to give her voice in the community, to share. So this is local magazine that is written by local women. And it's biblical article that we share. And the channel of distribution is not churches. It's community. Because we want to reach people who do not come to church. Like hospital, hair saloons, supermarkets. So we put that and tell people to take it and use it and read it. It's diverse in its content, but it's all biblical. This is how we reach people with the word of God. I don't want to get into more and more stories This is also a beautiful story that I will share tomorrow. So make sure to come tomorrow too. Uh, But let me talk about the Peace Bible for children that we have done in a context that we live is full of war. In my life, I have seen seven wars. I'm not that old. But my context is full of war. God saved me twice from explosion, terrorism explosion from the bus. That's for a reason, I believe. So during war in Gaza, I started, God, what can we do to help our people? I have realized that we need to invest in the little minds to build peacemakers. So I've decided to to do a peace Bible for children. Started with a book for bedtime reading for children. Contemporary story associated with biblical story with questions and prayer. Simple, very simple, 15 stories. I was amazed that school are using it in chapels. We have distributed 2,000 copies in the West Bank, 800 copies for refugees camp. Even this summer, we have reached to summer camp for Muslims. So God has been using this book to build bridges of peace, uh, to help children. I want to tell you a story that has been encouraged my heart when I heard it and my staff distributed this book. It's about the story of Hind. Hind is a little girl, six years old. Her mother told me that she was mean to her sibling. You know, children fight together, right? Who have children, they fight, right? But she was very mean. And at that age, she didn't like it. She started to read the book every day before bedtime. What happened? She said, I've noticed change in her behavior. God can change the hearts of the children. The word of God is powerful. It is at work. And it is there to change your life too. We have to believe that God is alive. And he's still alive. And he came to give us a better life. But what we are doing about it. In my work, I see that God transformed the lives of people. But what about you? 
He is alive. Our God is real. And he wants to work in our lives if we allow him. I, I challenge you to allow him. Today, I want to tell you, we are ministering in a place that is full of tears and pain and hatred. And people give up from political hope. But our hope is not a wishful thinking. Do you know why? Because our hope is dependent in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is alive. And he wants to work in your life and my life and the life of all people. And I challenge you today to love God from all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Because he deserves all our praise and adoration. Amen? Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.